0: have your bibles with you this morning you can open with me to first corinthians chapter 13 first corinthians chapter 13 we'll be looking at verses 4 through 7 this morning first corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 7 you know one of the the chief characteristics of a christian's life should be love The chief characteristics of any Christian's life should be love. That is what Christ tells us. He tells us that. John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. How will the world know we're Christians? By our love, especially for our love for one another. We're called by Christ to love, love one another, but not only just love one another, right? We're we're called to love other people. We're called to love our neighbor. We're also called to love our enemies. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good for those who hate you. So not only are Christians supposed to love one another, love their fellow Christians in Christ, not only are they supposed to love their neighbor, whoever is in their proximity, they are to love their enemies, those who do evil to them, persecute them even. That is a call on the Christian life. We are called to love. Love one another, love your neighbor, love your spouse, love your children, and even love your enemy. We are to be marked by love. Now what does love look like? What kind of love are we talking about? Last week we began to look at love, the love chapter here in 1 Corinthians 13, and there we defined love. Last week we defined love. Love is, is not an emotion, contrary to what our culture says, it's not an emotion, It's not the fuzzy feelings you get around certain people. It is not an emotion. Perfect love, agape love, what Scripture calls agape love. Love is selfless sacrifice for the benefit of others. That's what love is. Love is an action. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's an activity. It's what we do and love selflessly and sacrificially gives for others, for the benefit of others. And of course, this is what we see in God. God loves in this way. God so loved the world that he gave, he sacrificially gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that whoever believes in Jesus might have life in him. This is the love that we're called to. This is the love we're called to. So today, as we, we continue in John, or 1 Corinthians 13, today we're, we're going to clarify what perfect love looks like even further by observing 15 properties of love. 15 properties of love. Now, originally I'd wanted to go through all 15, but as I began to study this more and more, I was like, nah, probably not. So we're going to at least try to get through seven of them today, and then we'll we'll circle back to the rest of them next week. So 15 properties of love, and in these properties of love, we will see the properties of a loving person. So what does a loving person look like? So today, I want you, dear Christian, to pursue the properties of perfect love. As you hear these properties being listed, as we talk about them today, mark them in your mind. Examine your own life in light of them and dedicate yourself to pursue these properties in your own life. Even as difficult as, as it may seem sometimes, we should be pursuing these properties in our own lives. So pursue the properties of love. Well, if you found your place there in 1 Corinthians, Chapter 13, verse 4. Uh, please stand with me as we read God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So as we begin to to look this morning at the 15 properties of of love of a loving person the first two really go together they, they, they go together and they're listed in that way love is patient and kind love is patient and kind a loving person is patient and kind a loving person is patient and kind now as Gordon Fee says these two clauses love is perfect and kind these two clauses represent respectively love's necessary, passive and active response uh, responses toward others or difficulties in general. So uh, these two, patience is the passive response to others, and kindness is the active response to others, whether it' be others or d- just difficult circumstances in general. So let's look at these, love is patient, love is patient, what does it mean to be patient? Uh, now patience, we, we think about patience and, and you always hear, you know, don't pray for patience because uh, the Lord will, will put <laughs> some things in your life, right, to, to make you have to have patience. Uh, we think of patience as, well, I'm sitting here waiting on somebody or something, right, I'm patiently waiting, uh, but, but we kind of miss the idea of the biblical understanding of patience. Patience is long-suffering, right? It's long-suffering. That's, that's what this, this word for patience means. It's long-suffering. There's some agony here. There, there's a little bit of, of pain here. There's some suffering that goes along with it. It's not like just, just waiting on your, your kid to, to get dressed and get out the door. Uh, there's some suffering here. It's long-suffering. Someone is doing something they shouldn't be doing, and you're seeing this. You see the train wreck coming, uh, but you patiently wait for this person. You you patiently wait for this person to to, to get things together, right? To to see the light, if you will. It's a suffering that is involved in this. And, And this is what we see in God's love for us, isn't it? God is long-suffering over sinners. God's patience is demonstrated for us in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of His, on God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Oh, how often do we sin and and we get caught in these these patterns of sin and and god's sitting there patiently waiting on us to get our act together he he has patience he shows long suffering over us god could just write us off he could have written us off from the very beginning but he never did that instead he has patience he has patience with our sins he has patience with our rebellion against Him. He doesn't just strike us down. He doesn't just go off on us. He doesn't send down His wrath upon us. Instead, He is patient. He is a patient Father, patiently loving His children. We see further examples of this, how it's supposed to look in the Christian life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Now, now listen to those again. Admonish the idle. Those who just won't get with it, right? Those who just, they, we want them to get involved. We want them to, to, to see them get, get serious about their walk with Christ. We want to see them grow, but yet they're idle. What do we do be patient, be patient, love them and show patience. Be patient with the idol, admonish the idol. Encourage the faint hearted, those who, who seem to lack faith, who always seem to doubt. Be patient with them. Help the weak, those who aren't as strong as you are in their faith, those who have issues that they're struggling with, be patient with them. Be patient. Show patience. Suffer long over them. Furthermore, First Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Oh, when people sin against us, it's so easy to, to write them off. All right. Oh, you've done this to me. I'm done with you. It's over. You've messed up for the last time. I'm done. But thank the Lord, that's not what he did for us. That's not what he does to us on a daily basis because on a daily basis we sin and rebel against the holy God. And instead of writing us off, he's long-suffering over our sin and our rebellion. Love covers a multitude of sins. When someone sins against you, Dear Christian, you're not called to write them off. You're called to be patient and kind. So love is patient. A loving person is patient. Second here, a loving person is kind. A loving person is kind. Now, uh, again, this word kindness, it's, you, you think about a kind act, but, but this word here in the New Testament goes a little bit deeper than just a kind act towards someone, right? Opening a door for a lady, that's, that's a kind act act Uh, but but it goes even deeper than that that is kindness but it goes deeper than that it means to be merciful it means to be merciful kind-hearted even when someone doesn't necessarily deserve it when someone sins when someone does something that just ticks you off you're to show kindness you're to be merciful towards that person You're to show mercy and kindness towards them regardless of what they've done against you. This is a demonstration. This is God's loving kindness towards us. God demonstrates this very kind of loving kindness towards us and towards his people. Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 16 and 17 show the abounding kindness, the steadfast love and kindness of God towards his people. Talking about the Israelites, but they, the Israelites and our fathers, acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. Talking about the the Israelites who come out of Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them. So even as the people of Israel, as God brought them out of Egypt and demonstrated his love and care for them, even as he He brought them across the Red Sea, yet they longed to be back in egypt and they even wanted to to gather themselves up a leader who would lead them back into slavery oh god could have said well fine then just go but god was merciful and gracious towards them he showed his patience and he showed his kindness his mercy towards them by not just destroying the whole bunch And so you see these first two characteristics. These characteristics are actually attributes of God. God is loving. He is patient and kind. He is long-suffering and He has mercy and He calls us, dear Christians, to be patient and kind towards others. So a loving person is patient and kind. A loving person is patient and kind. So dear Christian, do you see patience in your life? Do you show kindness and mercy to those who even sin against you? Those who you think should be so much further ahead or are doing this or doing that. Do you show patience and kindness towards them as God in heaven showed patience and kindness, shows patience and kindness to you on a daily basis in Christ Jesus our Lord. So a loving person is patient and kind. Now, if you really want to know the true nature of a thing, you you not only have to define what it is, you also need to define what it is not. And and that's what Paul does in, in the next few lines here. Paul goes on to give eight negative characteristics of love. What love is not? Now here's a helpful note, in, in this list that we see, the, these negatives, these what love is not, Paul is actually addressing specific problems in the Corinthian church, so, so this is a rebuke towards the Corinthians, so it's meant to bite a little bit as they, they read this, but it may, ought, might ought to bite us a little bit today as well. Maybe we see some of our own nature, and certainly we will see some of our own nature in some of these negatives and and here's where we need to count things out of our lives work to to get these characteristics out of our lives so first of the eight here uh, the first of the eight number three on our list here is the uh, the first negative is a loving person does not envy a loving person does not envy love does not envy or boast a loving person does not envy that is to say there's no room in a loving person for jealousy no room for jealousy that's that's what we're getting at when we say envy it's that jealous nature jealous jealousy that we we look upon someone else we look what they have we look what they do and and we become jealous of that person in first corinthians chapter 3 verse 3 Paul says for you are still of the flesh for while there is jealousy and strife among you are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way this is the way people respond this is kind of like the the go-to right we we're naturally by our very nature we envy others we we become jealous of other people envy can so easily arise within the body of Christ, within the church. You see people, well, well, this person's in that spot. They, they, uh, the, the pastor picked them to, to run this committee. Or, 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 or this person is doing that, or, or this person's doing this other thing. Why didn't they pick me? Why didn't they come to me? Why didn't they ask me? Or, or you look at that person, oh, they're in a, a spot of, of uh, predominance in the church, a, a very a visible position, why why, do, why can't I have that position? And, and jealousy, when, when this kind of envy and jealousy gets into a church, oh, how quickly it can tear a church apart. Oh, do you see how they treat that person? Oh, they, they put that person up on a pedestal, and la, 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 and, and people begin to bicker because they're jealous. And so they begin to bicker, and they go back behind people's backs, and they talk about, oh, wow, la, la, and they run people down because... They're jealous. It's jealousy. That's all it is. It's jealousy. Envy can be such a a, a dangerous thing in the church. It can cause great division within the body of Christ. Oh, we're not to be jealous of others. We're not to be jealous of others. We're we're not to to look at other people and, and see where they are. Hey, God has a place for everybody in the church. And some places in the church, as we've we've talked about the spiritual gifts, some spiritual gifts are more, more visible. And other gifts are more behind the scene. But we should never look at someone, whatever position they're in, whatever part they play in the church, we should never look at that person and say, I'm jealous, I'm envious, I want what they have. That's covetousness. Envy and strife, or envy and jealousy do not characterize a, a person of love, a loving person. It does not demonstrate perfect love. A Christian, however, as Christians, we are to do as Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 tells us, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Do nothing from self-ambition or conceit. Do nothing from jealousy. But in humility, look on others and count them more significant. Brag on other people. Instead of being jealous and envious of of this person because they're in that position, brag on them. Man, look how God is using them there. Pray for them, encourage them. That's love, not envy and jealousy. A loving person does not envy. A loving person does not envy. Next, a loving person does not boast. A loving person does not boast. That is, a loving person is not a braggart. It's not a braggart. You know, a braggart uh, loves to toot his or her own horn. They like to talk about themselves always. Now, our very nature, by our very nature, we like to talk about ourselves. In fact, in in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, this is a a book from a, a while back, but Dale Carnegie says... Talk to someone about themselves and they'll listen for hours. Right? If you want to build friends and, and create influence in your life, then when you talk to someone, get them to talk about themselves and you don't have to say anything else because people love to talk about themselves. That's, you are your favorite conversation piece, right? We all like to talk about ourselves. That's just kind of our nature. We want to boast in ourselves we want to talk about ourselves but a braggart that's all they want to talk about a braggart someone who boasts that's all they want to talk about they just want to to talk about themselves have you ever been around that person and and you're trying to talk about this thing or that thing but they always turn the conversation back to themselves because in their life in their view it's all about me you should be most interested in me what i've got going on in my life is more important than what's going on in your life or at the church or anything else it's about me that's a person who is a braggart they they just want to talk about themselves and that's not a mark of a christian that's not a mark of perfect love perfect love doesn't just want to talk about me that's all right to to talk about yourself every now and again people want to uh if if other Christians want to know about you they want to know about what's going on in your life and that's good and great but but if the conversation always has to come back to you then you're a braggart you're boasting in yourself you're boasting in your own life your own troubles your own successes whatever it is that's being a braggart and that's not perfect love perfect love does not boast and brag So, dear Christian, work hard, love much, and let other people brag on you. You don't have to toot your own horn. Let other people. If you do what God has called you to do, other people will toot your horn. They'll brag about you. But as Christians, we're not to boast and brag. We're not to boast and brag. We're to count others more significant than ourselves. We're to brag on other people. We're to boast in other people. Mainly, we're to boast in Jesus Christ. Drag on him, boast in him, and you'll never go wrong. So a loving person is patient and kind, but does not envy or boast. Number five here, a loving person is not arrogant. A loving person is not arrogant. That is arrogance. Arrogance means that some, this is someone who has an, an exaggerated conception of themselves they're they're proud they're they're puffed up in fact it's the same word that that paul uses over in chapter 4 verse 6 chapter 4 verse 6 let me flip over there real quick chapter 4 verse 6 paul says i've applied all these things to myself and apollos for your benefit brothers that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written that, no one, uh, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. They're arrogant. They're puffed up. These Christians at, at, at Corinth, this is a, a bad problem in the church. They are all puffed up. I've got it all together. I follow this guy. I follow that guy. I've got these gifts. I've got that gift. Uh, so I've got it all together. They're puffed up. They're arrogant. They are arrogant. And their arrogance is causing division and strife within the church but a loving person is not arrogant a loving person is not arrogant in daniel chapter 4 we see a a great picture of of arrogance daniel chapter 4 uh, verses 28 through 33 we see nebuchadnezzar nebuchadnezzar of course was king of the babylonian empire and and nebuchadnezzar had accomplished a lot of things in his time as a, a, a king and he become arrogant he become arrogant in that and so god comes to him and he warns him that's what takes place in the first part of of chapter four he warns him that that this is about to come and daniel the prophet he 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 warns him it sounds warned, king nebuchadnezzar repent turn away from your pride turn away from your arrogance but nebuchadnezzar doesn't repent he doesn't listen and so this is what happens in daniel chapter 4 verse 28 all this came upon king nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months he was walking on the rooftop of of the the roof of the royal palace of babylon and the king answered and said is not this great babylon which i have built by my mighty power as a royal residence, and for the glory of my majesty. And while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar. To you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers and his nails were like birds' claws. And then I love this next verse. I'm going to go on a little bit. At the end of the days, I Nebuchadnezzar lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored, and honored Him who lives forever. And Nebuchadnezzar got it right in the end. But at the beginning, he was arrogant. He was arrogant. He, Look at all that I have done. He was arrogant, and God humbled him. Oh, dear Christian, be aware. Be aware. Someone who is arrogant is too in love with themselves to, to really love someone else. Perfect love is not arrogant. If you suffer from arrogance, dear Christian, Let me just warn you, as Daniel warned Nebuchadnezzar, humble yourself. Because if you don't humble yourself and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian and you're arrogant and and you don't humble yourself, beware, God will humble you. He will humble you. Just like he humbled Nebuchadnezzar, he will humble you, he will bring you to your knees. Repent from your arrogance. Put it away. Receive humility. So a loving person does not envy or boast, is not arrogant, or a loving person is not rude. A loving person is not rude. Now, this word for rude here is the same word that, that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 36. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly, that's the word there, if he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it, has, uh, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes, let them marry, it is not sin. So that gives you the idea of what he means by rude here. It's not behaving properly. Uh, the word here means to, to behave dishonorably or disgracefully or indecently toward someone else now think about the haves in chapter 11 verses 17 and through 22 the haves and what they did to the have-nots right the haves at Corinth they were coming together for the Lord's Supper now, they were coming together to eat to feast and the haves they were throwing us party right they were throwing this huge party, and they were enjoying themselves and having a grand old time, and they were taking the have-nots, and they were putting them over in that other room. Sorry, we're, we're out of the steak. We're, we're out of the good stuff, but here here's some scraps. Here's what's left over, and they were, they were rude. They were rude. They were acting dishonorably. They were dishonoring those who had not. And, and, and how often do we see that in our culture? I mean, really, let's be honest, rudeness is a sought-after characteristic in our tr- culture. Rudeness it, it is a, a sign of honor, a privilege in, in our culture. I mean, if you're not rude, who are you? Look at politics. I mean, we just saw this whole political time go, go by, and we still see it on the news and, and they're just rude they're absolutely rude towards one another i can remember a day where where politicians were at least at least cordial to one another but today it's just rudeness And, and that's what our culture expects that's what our culture values our culture values rudeness you're not supposed to treat other people with honor and dignity you're to dishonor them disregard them if, if their views are opposite of yours if, if their views look different than yours then then they don't deserve your honor and respect you can just write them off you can just act t- towards them however you wish oh but dear christian that's not that's not what we're called to that is not what we're called to we're not called to rudeness christians are to be countercultural that's the whole theme of the book of first Corinthians we're to be countercultural We're called to love our neighbor by treating every human being, every human being, regardless of political party, regardless of race, regardless of age, regardless of sex, even regardless of sexual orientation. We're to treat all people with dignity. We don't have to agree with them. We don't have to agree with them. But we have to treat them with dignity. Every human being, regardless of their sin, is created in the image and likeness of God, and they deserve respect and dignity, not rudeness, not dishonor. A loving person is not rude. A loving person treats people with respect and dignity. That should be a key characteristic of of Christians and of the church let the world be rude all the world wants to be rude but dear christian don't be rude back don't be rude back bite your tongue bite your tongue suck it back in i, I know the emotion in you just want to blurt out sometime i get it it's part of our sin nature we want to be rude sometimes because people are rude to us but as christians we are called to treat people with dignity regardless of how they treat us. They hung our Savior on the cross. They mocked him. They spit upon him. They did all kinds of vile things to him. Yet, did he treat them with rudeness? Did he dishonor them? No, he said, Lord, Father, forgive them. Forgive them for their rudeness. Forgive them for their disrespect. Forgiven them for all that they say. But they know not what they do. Christians are not to be rude. But Christians are to treat people with dignity and respect. A loving person is patient and kind. A loving person is, does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. And seventh here, a loving person is not selfish. A loving person is not selfish. Now, we get this here in in verse 3, excuse me, verse 5 here. Right after Rude there. Love does not insist on its own way. Love does not insist on its own way, right? If you insist on your own way, that is a sign of selfishness, self-seeking. Uh, it's my way or the highway. You ever heard that? It's my way or the highway. We, we need to do this thing my way. My way is the best way. My way is the only way. And it's going to be my way or no way. And if we're absolutely honest, most of the time, uh, our inclination is towards selfishness. We, we want to see our desires fulfilled. We want to, to pursue our own desires, our own wants, our own desires. Uh, desires in life we we want to pursue the selfish pattern scripture tells us that over and over and that's that's one of the keys to uh, the sin nature is to be selfish and self-absorbed but that's not for for the christian that that's not for us as followers of jesus christ we're to crucify selfishness and put other people first we're to be selfless, not be, not selfish. Now, of course, Jesus gives the ultimate example of this. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, here's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great creator of all things, who deserves to be served more than anyone else but Jesus. Jesus has a right to be selfish. All of this creation is his. It belongs to him. Yet he came not to be served but to serve. To serve and give his life as a ransom for many, for all those who would trust in him. Paul applies this to us, Philippians chapter 2 verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Put others first. Look out for other people's desires. Look out for other people's needs. Look out for the interest of others. Oh man, what would it be like? What would it be like if the church just kept trying to outdo one another and selfless service to one another. If we just would quit focusing on self, what I get out of church, what I get out of the service, what I get, what, what what, me, 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 me. If we would just quit that, quit focusing on me so much, and just start trying to outdo one another in love. What can I do for you? How can I serve you? How, how can I meet a need for you? How can I pour into you how can i give you some benefit in life oh man if husbands and wives would would try to outdo one another and selfless service to one another how how strong could the marriage be if parents and children would would try to outdo one another and selfless service to one another how strong could the family be oh we're never to be selfish We're never to be selfish. We must be selfless. We must be selfless. And dear friend, that means taking that old sinful nature, that selfish nature, and putting it up on Calvary's cross day in and day out. Say, I'm not going to serve myself today. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to put other people first. A loving person is selfless, not selfish. A loving person puts others first. So, as we draw to an end this morning, I do want to stop there because I don't want to go long. So we're gonna I'm gonna give y'all a break today. As we look at these first seven attributes, these first seven uh, characteristics of a loving person of love, I encourage you today, dear friend. Pursue the properties of love. Pursue these properties. Pursue these properties in your own life. Dear Christian, be patient and kind toward others and set aside all envy and boasting and arrogance and rudeness and selfishness. As Paul says in Galatians 5, 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh along with its desires and passions. You see, it, it's not an easy thing for us to pursue this kind of love. It's not an easy thing for us to, to, see, to pursue patience and kindness. It's not an easy thing for us to put away selfishness and, and, and arrogance and pride and, and all of these things. It's not an easy thing because our sin nature thrives on these things. But dear Christian, maybe today you see one, two, or all of these in your life, these negative characteristics in your life. And maybe you don't see the two positive in your life very much at all. And maybe today you just need to, to turn to Christ. You need to repent and say, Lord God, I've been messing up. I messed up. I, I'm not loving. I'm not as loving as I should be. I don't see perfect love in my life. And I need you to change me today. I need you to help me overcome myself and pursue the properties of love. You're a Christian. Will you do that today? Every one of us can identify somewhere on this list that we're falling short and we need to just turn it over to Christ and say, Lord, can you help me? I need some help here. It's not in me to... To, to do this, I need some help here. Would you do that today? Would you ask him to help you? For others, maybe you're here today and, and you've never pursued perfect love because you've never pursued the perfect love giver, you've never pursued Jesus Christ, you've never given your life to him, you've never trusted in Jesus, you don't know a thing about perfect love. Well, I want you to know today, you can know perfect love today by turning to the perfect love giver who stepped out of his kingdom in heaven and came to this earth and took on poverty, took on this humble flesh that we live in. He became like one of us. He lived like one of us, yet he did so in a way that was perfectly in in, in conjunction with the Father's will for Him. He did in complete obedience, without any sin, and He went to Calvary's cross. He died for you, paying the penalty of your sin and your rebellion, so that if you trust in Jesus, trust in His perfect love, He will give you everlasting life, and He will change your life. He will transform your life making it possible for you to experience perfect love and to give such love to others if you'll only trust Him. Your friend, will you trust Him today? Will you give your life to Him? You can do it right now even as we pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You. Lord, I... As we read the this list, these just these seven, Lord, I, I know. For myself, I, I see some areas in my own life that I need. I need to work on, Lord. I, I need work. And Lord, I just confess that left up to me, I, I'm not going to be able to do it, Lord. I can't do this on my own. But Lord, you can you have the power to transform me you have the power to transform any person here and so lord i just pray that today lord that your holy spirit would work in the lives of all who believe who have trusted in you that your spirit would work in us lord to put to death the the sinful characteristics the the unloving characteristics and and bring to life in us those positive characteristics of love. Let us be patient and kind. Let us think of other people first. Oh, Lord, help us. And, Lord, if there are those today, and surely there's those who are either here or watching online or wherever, Lord, who've never trusted in Jesus, oh, Lord, God, let them know your perfect love today. Change their hearts, Lord. Turn them to Jesus.